Arsenal against Manchester City wasn't the title race anyone expected last season, but when it arrived, it caught the imagination for most of the campaign. The young and vibrant Gunners built an eight-point lead, but then football gravity kicked in. William Saliba got injured and City ended up storming to the treble. Arsenal spent serious money in the summer. They're showing up strongly again, but if they are to challenge... They have to find a way of winning league games against Pep Guardiola's champions. This Sunday at the Emirates, there's an opportunity to do just that. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Big games get the big names when it comes to tipping, starting with the multi-award winning Mark O'Hare. Mark, Arsenal unbeaten in the league, just a point behind City. If they win, though, does this have a significance beyond the three points? Because it feels like, uh, yes, I know they won the Community Shield and, and all that, but actually it's about beating them in the league, isn't it? They have, they've got a bit of a block on that at the moment. Um. In terms of the the outright picture, no, I don't think it changes a, a huge amount. To be honest, um, I think we should probably have learned enough of Man City now in the last five years or however long it's been since Pep Guardiola took charge. For what occurs in, in the sort of autumn uh, is very different to what we see at the turn of the year when City just seem to go on one of those runs. And however big an advantage you can build up against them, they just seem to be able to reel you in and. Uh, so, yes, it could be considered a bit of a, well, a huge advantage, really, because Arsenal have lost each of the last 12 games against Man City in the Premier League. But in terms of the, the total picture of the, uh, of the outright market, I would still be very much in favour of Manchester City. Uh, it's a bit of a shame neither side will be at full strength for this. Um, for Arsenal, it looks very much likely like uh, Saka will be missing after going off uh, midweek. Uh, we're unsure on Martinelli as well. Uh, for Man City, Rodri serves the final match of his suspension, but they got Bernardo back in, in midweek and Stones was in the squad too. No De Bruyne though. So um, whether that balances things up or not, I'm not sure. Uh, Rodri is obviously an integral part of that City team, but uh, Saka is for Arsenal. So in terms of the match prices, I, I thought it was very interesting. Arsenal were 3.36 in this fixture when hosting Man City back in February. They're now 3.15. City, of course, won that day quite comfortably 3-1 in the end. So how much has really changed since that night? Um, is it enough to move the price that much in Arsenal's favour? I think that's pretty debatable, uh, to be honest, um, especially when you consider the team news. Um, no Saka and Martinelli is, I think, just as big a blow as no Rodri and De Bruyne. Um, I've not been bowled over by Arsenal this season, despite those kind of high expectations coming into the campaign. And at Emirates Stadium, there has been... Quite a few hiccups. The Spurs game was was good in parts, but Tottenham more than matched Arsenal for the last hour. The Man United match was actually in the balance for a large part. Obviously, Forrest and Fulham have had joy against Arsenal too. And I'm not sure whether it was complacency in midweek either, but Arsenal were put under pressure by Lons and they seemed to be surprised, I guess, by the, the atmosphere in France yeah. when any European football Shouldn't followers would know that. Lons is is a hotbed for for uh, atmospheric grounds uh, in Europe. So, yeah, defensively, I just can't see them being capable of keeping Man City out. Um, so to be able to see Man City at plus zero on the Asian handicap at one seventy eight just felt far too big, um, and certainly worth a look. But I also got kind of distracted by the price on over two and a half goals in this game because it's it's one point eight eight 
Uh, we've talked about this long and hard, really, that games at the Emirates just tend to breathe goals, 4.05 per game on average, going back to the start of last season. 21 of 23 matches have gone over, 17 of those 23 going over three and a half, and both teams have scored banking in 18. So, you know, if you look at Arsenal, we've talked about it many times, but it's now just four clean sheets in the last 28 home league games. Since the start of last season, they've conceded 63% of their overall Premier League goals at home. Um, and last season, four of the five teams in the top six came here and scored at least twice. So I think there's a lot to suggest that Arsenal concede possibly twice in this fixture. Um, but I also think they can contribute because Man City conceded in every away Premier League trip to a top half team since the start of last season and the absence of Rodri. Um, I looked back at Man City's last 114 Premier League games, which is essentially three seasons worth. He's played 97 of those. With him, Man City have averaged 2.44 points and just 0.73 goals conceded per game. Small samples, of course, but in the 17 he's missed, the points per game dips to 2.17 and the goals conceded per game increases to 0.94. So it's a similar story, whichever sample you look at, uh, 50 games, 100 games, whatever you want to see. But um, City have already conceded a three of four away games already this season, which should encourage Arsenal with or without Saka to get on the score sheet. So City plus zero and over two and a half goals in two separate selections. Odds compiler and tipster Mark Stinchcombe joins us once again. Stinch, you look at that City squad. I know there were concerns because Gundogan went and they've lost other key players over the last couple of seasons. But actually, Julian Alvarez has been absolutely sensational so far this season. They brought in Rico Lewis in midweek against Leipzig and, and he looked excellent in his role. So they always seem to find a way, don't they, of mitigating these losses? I think arguably a bit early to say because you look at them away at Wolves, uh, away at Newcastle in the Cup with their second team, if you like, and, and uh, you know, they, they lost both of those games. And I always think someone like Mares is so, so underrated because whenever he comes in, he performed. It's not as if they've always got him available and yeah, they can play him and they'll get maybe a six or seven. You always get like an eight or a nine with Mares. Yeah. I felt like he definitely score. He definitely assist. He was so, so reliable. So I'm still kind of waiting to see, you know, who is going to be that player. Is Phil Foden going to step up and play, you know, 30, 35 starts this season? Um, you know, I think probably his body has, has not been available to it, to, for him to do that and obviously Gundogan second half of last season was so key with so many goals um we've seen um Mateus Nunes um do some uh runs from deep in midfield to to set up a goal already so is is that something that he's maybe able to add to his game so it's it's interesting to see but Regardless of that, I, I still think City are a fantastic bet in this match. You know, biggest price since the beginning of last season and beyond. Uh, as Mark says, they were they were five to four in this fixture last season, and it's, that's the sort of price you normally associate with City going away to Liverpool. Um, but I, I don't think this Arsenal side have proved over a long enough period that they are at the level of you know Salah, Firmino, Mane sides of three, four, five years ago when Liverpool were at their their peak. Um, you know, they they did challenge for the title last season, but they felt they fell away. Um, they were overachieving, as Mark mentioned. You can't really expect to be winning or going close to winning titles 
if you're conceding so many goals at home, you know, home is the sort of bedrock. Um, and then when you factor into this game, the, the no Saka or Martinelli angle, it makes a huge difference in terms of pace on the attack. You think how high City will be. Um, we won't talk about whether the, the linesman can call offsides correctly or not. But if Arsenal do manage to get in behind, you know, maybe that lack of pace will mean, you know, the likes of Walker will be able to catch up with them. You know, Saka's already got four goals and two assists this season in the league. Last season, it was 14 goals and 11. Martinelli was 15 and five. You know, these are big, big numbers. Um, yes, uh, I really like Trossard and he he um, was able to replace Martinelli when he hasn't been available in, in terms of assists, but obviously a different type of player. And I think this, the pace thing is is a big is a big thing. Um, we have to counterbalance that with the, the no De Bruyne and no Rodri angle. Um, but uh, as you mentioned, I do think the likes of Alvarez, Foden, Grealish, Nabonado's back have proved that they can cover for, especially De Bruyne. I think Rodri is arguably the bigger miss. Um, yeah. I think both aspects of his game, uh, I think we all know him from a defensive point of view, but I think we've seen offensively he he brings, he's brought a lot and, that's maybe under the development of Guardiola. You know, if you're going to control a game, why not, um, you know, have more attributes going forward as a result? Um, in terms of De Bruyne, he's only started one game this season. Uh, and City are obviously still top of the league. So I don't think he's that big a miss in that respect. And if you look at him last season, he's, he uh, he didn't start 18 games and City had the same win percentage without him at 72%. So I do think Arsenal's losses are a lot, lot more deeper. Then you throw into the fact that City's price has gone from five to four to nearly six to four. So yeah, Man City plus zero on the Asian handicap at one point eight, which is very close to what their win price was away at Leipzig in the week, which just goes to show, you know, I think it's just enormous value. And now trading and tipping superstar Emmett O'Keefe, part of the starting four today. Emmett Stinch makes a really interesting point there. Everybody got very excited about Arsenal last season. They've spent a lot of money. They're, they're on an upward curve. There's no doubt about that. Back in the Champions League. But are they really of the level of what Liverpool were at? Or maybe what Liverpool could be again? You know, I think there, there, there seems to be a feeling in the markets anyway that Arsenal are the second best team in the Premier League. Is that definitely true? No, not on the evidence we've seen so far. I think, I think, yeah, I, I think, like I, overall, I would say if, if if I had to pick kind of a matched battle of Liverpool Arsenal by the end of the season, I would pick Liverpool. I just think they've a they've a slightly stronger squad, and I think they've they've actually looked a bit more convincing than Arsenal have this season. The lads have mentioned mentioned it there. Like I think, like their their result against United is looking worse and worse by every passing week. Like <laughs> it, it was a marginal loss. Like that was a marginal offside from Garnacho scoring and Arsenal losing that game, and that would have been a disaster. Um, so as that, that was that was a real small margins game, and giving you. Know, struggles elsewhere again that that looks worse like they the, the Tottenham game is basically a 50-50 game like that that, that was the, they were by no means unlucky to to, to, kind of, to to draw that game Mark's mentioned they're kind of over big sample size their kind of defensive issues and that's obviously not being helped by kind of the absence of recent absence of of um, Thomas Partey 
Um, and again, yeah, just on 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 the kind of what are we looking at for an Arsenal attack? Probably you're looking at maybe Jesus wide, and Ketty as the nine, and Trossard as the other wide forward. Like it's not, it's not what you want. Like I think especially just the way City play with their four centre half kind of formation, you really want to trouble that with pace because that's what those centre halves and the wide channels don't want to play against. And 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 just and just so that that makes kind of losing Sack and Martinelli those losses even even greater. I would say. Um, I would, yeah, I echo everything the lad said about overs. Overs looking a strong bet here. I think it is interesting with City. Like they actually quietly, like the whole the three in midfield last season, which was kind of the bedrock of their success. Rodri, De Bruyne, Gundogan is, is all gone. Like it's it, it, it's a completely new midfield now. That's that's kind of facing Arsenal. So I think that's where the kind of real real uncertainty is for me. I think Nunez at Wolves like kind of look good and. Like look good in flashes, but is no is nowhere near a proven commodity. Like I I I've again I, I think Kovacic is quite a good player, but I I, I wouldn't yeah I, I wouldn't be certain he'll be kind of he'll he'll really deliver again in, in a game of this magnitude. So there's just a bit of uncertainty around City, but I still would kind of lean there when the match prices. But over over the goal total looks the kind of stronger bet of of those kind of two main markets. I think there's maybe a bit of bit more value to be found in the kind of more of the bet builder selections. I like Martin Odegaard to score here. He's seven to two to score. He's three goals in his first his first seven games, and he'll be on full time penalty duty with Sa- Sack absent. I think as well, just with the kind of changes Arsenal have made, I think Odegaard will probably get a greater percentage of shots and chances than he had. Just given that, given that, like you when Sack and Martinelli play, they get a higher percentage. I think they'll get a higher percentage than we'll say Trossard would, and, and, and we'll see more more come to go. Odegaard will take more responsibility. The other one is Kai Havertz to, to, to be carded. That now I think listeners might be aware of kind of Havertz's kind of proclivity for fouls. He's eight eight to thirteen to have two plus fouls. Last season, despite being a striker mainly for Chelsea, he had the third most fouls of any player in the league, and he's averaging actually averaging more fouls per game this season than he. Than he did last season, but most importantly, if we're looking for kind of a card bet, he's playing in midfield this season, which he wasn't last season. So the fouls he's yeah. making are more likely to be of the kind of cynical variety where they're maybe stopping counter attacks and, and that kind of thing. He's got a couple of cards, um, got a couple of cards already this season. So if you can get him anything at like seven to two or four to one looks a card, I think this will be quite a quite a feisty game. And I think I think the good thing with Havertz is a bit like kind of a striker takes a lot of shots. We know he's going to get the fouls so it's just a question of whether 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 he'll give us a chance he'll give us a chance to to click this selection the notorious hatchet man that is Kai Havertz Uh, worth bearing in mind Betfair is offering a completely free ACA on football this weekend you do have to opt in to claim your free bet T's and C's apply 18 plus the gambleaware.org Brighton have had something of a wobble only a minor one but Roberto De Zerbi did admit it was a tough few days after his side were whacked 6-1 at Aston Villa. Life might not get any easier against the Liverpool side, fueled by the burning injustice of all of that nonsense last weekend. Stinch. How do you see this one? Because Liverpool went to the Amex last season and got absolutely smashed, but I sense it might be a little bit tighter this time around. Yeah, they had uh, two trips there and uh, came away with uh, with nothing right. Um, so arguably, I lost kind in the of, cup, didn't they? That's right. Mm, yeah, arguably surprised to see them as uh, they're two point two four 
to win this, um, I think it's dangerous probably to 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 back that. I think if you want to side with Liverpool, you you obviously take the minus a quarter to have some security. But yeah, I still think it's a little bit short given what we you know we've seen between these matchups. I mean, you consider the Deserby's first game in charge at Anfield, where Brighton drew three all. Um, you know they 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 can take advantage of this uh, of this Liverpool backline one hundred percent. So I'm quite surprised Liverpool are um, stronger favourites as they are. Maybe something to do with the fact that Liverpool are at home on Thursday evening in the in the Europa League, um, and Brighton have got to go away to Marseille. So arguably, uh, you know, um, with the travel involved and the and the tougher game, maybe that's got something to. To, to do with it but I don't think so um, yeah I think Liverpool are a bit short to get involved with and then obviously you know Brighton games you want to get involved with with goals but the goal line's 3.5 um, 50-50 over under so again you think oh yeah maybe the value will be in the unders but you, there's no way you want to be back in under, <laughs> under. I was gonna say that's a brave bet. That is e- even under five and a half. I think I'll be a bit worried watching watching the game. So um, I, I tried to look uh, a bit deeper to to see if there's something that jumped out. And and the one thing that did was um, something that touched on in the in the preview uh, outright show at the beginning of the season. That's Mo Salah to to register an assist. He's three to one uh, to register an assist, and I think that's. I think that's quite big when you consider the the numbers suggest that Liverpool are, are in for for around about two goals, and uh, with Salah assisting in six of his last ten games, and that's not including friendlies where he had a, a flurry of those as well. Um, he's you know he's, he's got he's, he's got nine in that period as well. Um, but for him to to have an assist there at three to one when I say Liverpool are sort of evens to score. Uh, two goals, I think is a big is a big uh, is a big price. Um, I think there has been this this calendar year. I'd say has been a, a change, perhaps in the way Salah is being played. Uh, I think he's always been deployed quite far wide, but I think now he's for some reason he's being more unselfish, which wouldn't necessarily associate his character with. I think there was a sort of an infamous incident away at Burnley where him and Mane were in a bit of an argument because Salah didn't pass him the ball. But there's there's clearly been some sort of, of change, hence the sort of uptick in, in assist output. Um, in terms of uh, key passes this season, so it's a pass that leads to a shot. He's averaging 2.3, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, which is fairly high. I think uh, Madison leads that stat so far with three. Um, but he's got the highest expected assists in the league with 4.66 this season, uh, which is 1.5 more than anyone else. So essentially, his his key passes is slightly less than some of the other players, but they're leading to higher quality chances, essentially. Yeah. So he's making the right decisions, I would say. Um, so with it, with his four assists so far this season, he arguably should have some more if, if Nunes and Diaz were a bit more clinical in the finishing or, or the government allowed more goals. Uh, sorry, VAR. Um, <laughs> uh, and you yeah, conspiracy uh, theories. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, we deal in facts, remember? Um, of course, so, of course. We do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and in, across the course of the three games against Brighton last season, he regi- registered assists in, in two of them. So, yeah, I think, as I say, given the fact that Liverpool are in for a couple of goals, uh, Salah to, to grab an assist at 3-1 to one is, is a good bet here. 
Yeah, sounds good to me. Mark, we've gone down the goals route a lot with Brighton games, haven't we? Is that the way you'd go again or have you got a different idea? Yeah, why not? Um, why wouldn't you want to go with the goals in this game? I'm more excited about this match than, than Arsenal versus Manchester City. So I think it's going to be hugely exciting and entertaining. Uh, just look at the raw numbers. They're quite extraordinary. Uh, Brighton have gone over three and a half goals and both teams to score in all seven Premier League games. <laughs> Liverpool have gone overs in six of seven and BTTS in six of seven. They've combined to keep just one clean sheet between them this season in the Premier League, but they've scored in all 14 fixtures. So, yeah, very difficult to dismiss uh, the goals option here. Over three and a half goals, odds on, doesn't sit particularly comfortably, even if I do expect four or more goals to land. Um, so I went to look elsewhere. So I've dipped into the bet builder on the sportsbook, uh, over two and a half goals, both teams to score. Uh, and you take a goal to be scored in both halves, which is something we've done previously in the past and had semi-success with it. Uh, but I'm also going to include Karim Mitoma just to have one shot in the match, which is something he's achieved in 23 of his last 24 starts. And it gives you a, a 9 to 10 shot, which I think is is very fair when you consider the over two and a half goals and BTTS prices around about 1.5-ish, I think, from from memory. Um, yeah, Brighton are dangerous opponents to Liverpool just because of the, the stylistic matchup. Liverpool will go to the Amex and, and give it a right good go. They're, they're pretty hard and loose themselves at the best of times. And, and Brighton relished that because we saw last weekend how ludicrously open they were at Aston Villa. I know a number of individuals had a, a terrible day, a terrible off day. Uh, the midfield was was totally bullied off the park as well. But, you know, Aston Villa set up in a system to uh, negate Brighton's threats and basically replicated what West Ham did, but in a more ruthless fashion, really. So, um, Is that the I worry expect- for Deserby? If teams start to cotton on to that, really start to look at it, I mean, obviously they do anyway, but if they start having consistent success with that, that's a real problem, isn't it? I think so. Um, I still think they're good enough to to overcome those challenges, but certain teams will have great success. But I just think he got his selection wrong last week. The, the midfield looked far too uh, weak uh, against Villa's kind of destroyers, really. Um, and then he had a stupid... Yeah, they're, big, a... They're, they're big, strong guys, aren't they? I mean, Douglas Louise and Camera, I know they're slightly different, but they're both quite defensively minded when they when they want to be aren't they especially camera yeah uh, and you've got McGinn in there as well who is quite happy to get in and amongst it and Brian had Hinchelwood an 18 year old slight guy who did okay um and Billy Gilmore as well so you know it was, it was kind of almost men against boys um but um I think they're good enough to to sort of pass around that threat uh, against most teams, and I think they will still be fine. But they have got a decent record against Liverpool. They've Liverpool have won just once in the last six Premier League games against Brighton, and they do come into this game without Gakpo. It looks like to be without Gakpo and Jones and Jota are suspended. So um, I agree with Stinch. I think the price is a bit trappy on Liverpool away this week. Defensively, they're still not right. Um, they're giving up a. 1.32 non-penalty expected goals per game, which is actually a worse figure than Everton's at this stage of the season. Uh, but funnily enough, Brighton's even worse than that. So, uh, But obviously both of their attacking metrics are, are red hot, really. Um, and uh, I would expect both teams to oblige. So Brighton have scored three goals or more in five of their seven games in the Premier League this season. In the other two games, they conceded nine times. So they're an erratic bunch, but I think both teams will comfortably score. Then we're just looking for a third and Matoma to have a shot. So uh, I think that's a nice way to get in involved in goals. There is an enticing derby in the German Bundesliga as struggling Köln visit the leaders by a Leverkusen. Emmett, what have you got for us? Certainly Leverkusen have a striker in red hot form. 
Yeah, exactly. You've, 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 you've nailed it there. It's This is the, the third of my goal score selections from kind of Saturday and Sunday's podcasts. It's probably one of the best signings made in Europe this summer. So it's Victor Boniface, who's the he's the same expected goals as as Harry Kane in the Bundesliga this season. He's the best non penalty expected goals in the Bundesliga by far. He scored six goals in six games, and I think he's an ideal opportunity against against. Köln, I think that's maybe just just about how you pronounce it. Hopefully, yes, and, uh, wonderful. Uh, and uh, yeah, so they they're, they're sitting second from bottom. I think uh, anything close to evens on on, on Boniface score is, is more than fair, and it's six six to one if you put in a treble with um, Boniface, Hosselu, and Lautaro Martinez. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, Boniface is he's had thirty nine goal attempts in the Bundesliga in his first six games, that was 15 more than number two on the list, who was Seru Girassi, who's got 10 goals. So the strikers are very much enjoying themselves in the Bundesliga at the moment. Talking of goals, injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So now you do have 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbgambleaware.org. Finally, let's head to France. Mark, you have a pick from Ligue 1. Yeah, just surprised we're getting a backable price to to support Montpellier at home to Clermont. Uh, 1.81 on the exchange uh, for the home side to win that match. They have been quite inconsistent results-wise, but uh, you know they had two convincing victories over Lyon and Lorient, um, besides inside the bottom three at uh, the early stage. I think they can do something similar against Clermont, who are also in the bottom three. We know Montpellier like to play front foot football. That's what they tend to do. Uh, I do think perhaps results have been a little bit harsh based on their actual performances. Only five sides are posting better non-penalty expected goals figures than Montpellier. Uh, they're also posting positive supremacy numbers across almost all the major performance data metrics. They've won the MPXG battle in five of seven games and they're facing a Clermont side who've lost that metric in six of seven. Uh, if you look at their first seven games, they've taken just two points they drastically overachieved in the last two campaigns. So perhaps it's a bit of regression to the mean, really. So it's not too that surprising. Game against they... Paris for Clermont last weekend was hilarious because Paris squeezed all of their top talent into the team and the goalkeeper had an absolute <laughs> uh, day of his life and they drew nil-nil. But they're not great, Clermont, are they? They also seem to be playing in the middle of a car park. Uh, for some reason, their ground looks utterly bizarre. They've demolished yeah. most of it by the look of it. Yeah, it's it's not a not a pretty sight. Um, <laughs> but that that match against PSG was was as one sided as you, as you'll get in in Liga. So don't be fooled by the nil nil. They were totally outplayed, and as you say, the goalkeeper was by far and away the man of the match. They failed yeah. to score in four of seven games so far this season. Only two sides have conceded a higher MPXG figure so far. Only one side. It's created fewer opportunities from open play and they've already conceded at least twice in all three of their away days. So more than happy to oppose them here. So these two teams met back in March in Montpellier. Uh, Montpellier won 2-1. Clermont was sitting in the top half going into that game. Montpellier only went off at 1.82. So basically getting the same price. And I think the, the opposition have dropped off and Montpellier are at least at the same level, if not possibly better and trending upwards. So home win at 1.81. That's all we have time for on Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good preview content on our website 
betting.betfair.com, all the Premier League, EFL. We've got loads of stuff from all of the major European leagues as well. And remember, our shows are now on YouTube. They're on the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe from Mark, from Emmett, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.